Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. The red crossover is like Voldemort for me. Yeah, the second that you said crossover, like, oh. my, my back started hurting again. I'm exhausted now. Two truths and one lie about the crossover. Um, I'm okay. in it. Uh, okay, you you do yours and then I'll do mine. Okay, good. Okay. I'm in it. Okay. I'm not in it. <laughs> Two truths. I don't know how to play this game. I'm in it. <laughs> I'm not in it. Oliver and Felicity kiss. I'll tell you what the lie is. <laughs> Reprise. I don't know what the lie is. No, you don't. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't even know each other, Arthur. You're just putting me on the spot like this? I'm sorry. In front of all my friends? It's embarrassing. We'll wait and see. Yeah, we will. Um, okay, two truths and a lie about the crossover. Um, Be better than me at this, please. Okay. Um, I hand Felicity a gun. Oliver and Kara share a passionate kiss. <laughs> and we do not spend any time whatsoever in Star City. Dang, those are good. Those don't are know. I'm so good at this game. I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> but I think I got it. Okay. okay, I'm ready. Oliver and Felicity share a passionate kiss. <laughs> Oliver and Kara share a passionate kiss. <laughs> yes. And Oliver and Diggle share... I think I got this game. I think I know this game very well. He's better at this game than me! So, I think I just I think figured it out. I can safely say it'll be a great episode. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 84 of the DC Primetime Podcast. Uh, from the Next Level Showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, which is delayed again because a lot's going on, <laughs> uh, I am Rob Morton. Uh, and we are just, man, we're less than a week away at this point. At the time you are listening to this, we are... Like days. Near, no, at the time hours. people are listening to this, hours away from the epic four-part crossover, two-night four-part crossover that is coming from the DC Universe. And let me tell you, I am so freaking stoked. 
Oh. I, 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 I can't, I, I can't stand it. Well, I, I, you know what? This is normally a news thing, but there was something interesting that came out. Uh, you know, obviously that last big, huge trailer, we finally got to see the Ray in action. But some of the other cool stuff uh, we found out from a new poster was the inclusion of a few other villains we didn't know were going to be. Yeah, villains. yeah, uh, um, like Red Tornado, Red Metallo. Tornado. Yeah, yeah. They and we're and it's a full robotic Metallo that they're showing too. It's not just like. A little bit of like flesh and stuff torn away. It is a full robotic Metallo with the uh, the kryptonite built in. So man, <laughs> uh, this is a lot bigger than I think any of us expected. So that's going to be uh, pretty damn cool. So. I think I think we're still going to see some more surprises. I do too. Uh, come out of it too. And uh, if you are listening to this, <laughs> Rob, I didn't even tell you about this, but uh, I actually forewent the. Uh, because we are right on the cusp of the crossover, I actually forewent the line of the week this week. One, because I, I didn't really find anything this week that really stuck out, uh, with the exception of a particular line from uh, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, First Lady Pie is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I passed on that. Uh, but the clip that you did hear right before the intro was actually something that came from a panel uh, at Heroes and Villains, and it was, was uh, an audience member asking Stephen, David, and Emily uh, two truths and a lie about a crossover, <laughs> about the crossover, which I played. I sent you the link for last yes, week. Yes, yeah, that was uh, great. Uh, it's a funny clip, uh, but it's related to the crossover. It was a little longer than a couple seconds like we usually do, but I figured uh, it was something – it was some good fun for some of the people uh, living at home. Uh, so we use that as the line of the week or uh, as the the opening line this week rather than a clip from the show. Nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, cusp of the crossover, which I can't wait. And even more so, the episodes this week, really good. All of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, there was one that was right on the border, but I think it still deserved its legend. Uh, so I think I can tell you everybody up front right now, you're going to get a perfect score across the board for all four shows for me this week. So you, you got a three out of four <laughs> from me. I, I gave three of them legends. I gave one of them a, a hero. Uh, and I'll just say it right now. I gave I gave this way. We can just bypass it and go right into the breakdown uh, when we're, we have a couple other things we want to mention first. But when we go into the breakdown, we'll skip the rating since you're given legend across the board. Uh, I gave legend to everything but arrow, but arrow's still very, very high hero, like on the border. Of, mm-hmm. of being a legend. So uh, still a great episode of drastic improvement from the past couple of weeks. Absolutely. Uh, they, they're really getting back to where they need to be. And it's the right kind of melodrama that I want to see in these shows. Yeah. Uh, is playing out. So exactly. uh, good on them. Good on them. Uh, two things to discuss before we go into the breakdowns first. You, um, you and I both have something coming up completely separate, funny enough. Yes. Um, yeah. We don't know how it's going to affect the show. Yours probably more so than mine uh, because I already know that mine is outpatient. But uh, Rob and I, completely unrelated, uh, are both scheduled for surgery in December uh, for two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Just coincidentally, we'll probably be within a week of each other. Uh, medications being as they are, we don't know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we don't know the kind of states that we're going to be uh, for this. I should be good. My surgery is on a Friday and it's outpatient. So by Sunday, I have to stay funny enough. Both of our surgeries, we have to stay off our feet. 
uh, yeah. for a couple of days. You much longer than uh, me. Months. <laughs> yeah. Um, months off of my feet, unfortunately. Um, so. Yeah, you, yours actually, might actually involve a little bit of rehab and, and things uh, like that. A lot of rehab, <laughs> we found out. So uh, apparently two months at least minimum. Uh, and uh, yeah. So just to, without beating around the bush, yeah, I have to have my, my Achilles tendon uh, detached and have a bo- good chunk of bone removed from my foot. And then my Achilles gets to be put back together. So that's not going to be a fun, fun experience, I'm sure. So, but like I said, I will soldier on and I do apologize if it doesn't impact the show. If that's the case, uh, we can always maybe reach out to our good friend Paul and see if he's he's willing to maybe step in and help us out. Or if not, we have a ton of other people. Oh, God, yeah. Sh- shows might be on break. So regardless, the show will go on. So I think we I think all the Arrowverse shows are on break uh, mm-hmm. at that point. Push comes to shove. I should have audio from heroes and villains of the panels that I moderated. So, again, I mean, if push comes to shove, I can simply uh, hop on by myself do a little bit of a, a recap of what was going on in the news and then play the audio. So there will still be shows while these events are happening, um, but we just wanted to give everybody a fair warning as we'd like to that schedules might be affected a little bit. If not scheduling, then who you're hearing on the microphone might be affected right? a little bit. Uh, but yep, just wanted to keep everybody informed as to what was going on with us as we go into these holiday months. Absolutely. So, uh, other big thing to talk about. <laughs> All right. So I gave a brief <laughs> review of Justice League last week. Uh, ben and I had an opportunity to see it together on Tuesday night. And uh, let's just, uh, you know, Ben, why don't you just give me your thoughts on it? Like we talked a bit about it after the movie. Now it's been close to a week. I wasn't sure where you currently stand. And uh, we can maybe get into this a little bit more. So spoiler warnings ahead because we will get into the nitty gritty of this. So, um, as you guys know, this is a spoiler show, so yes. don't be surprised. <laughs> um, so I, I went into it with an open mind, as I try to do all of the the DC movies. You guys know that I'm not uh, – I haven't been exactly a big fan of the DC films. Man of Steel I did not like at all. I have many, many issues with Man of Steel. And I lost a lot of love for Superman in the DCEU because of Man of Steel going into Batman v Superman. Uh, you know, I, I had – a lot of love lost for Superman going into that movie, too. It actually, I loved Aflac as Batman. I loved Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. But the fact that Superman was still in this film really brought it down a lot for me. So, again, a, a low rating on Batman v Superman because of that. Suicide Squad, eh, it was more of a joke than, than a movie to me. It was fun. There, I mean, there were definitely some moments that were fun. I thought, you know, Margot Robbie and Will Smith really were well uh really did their characters of harley quinn and deadshot well wonder uh, woman good, good yeah basically good movie just not memorable That's exactly what it is. exactly yeah. um wonder woman blew me away how great i thought it was and i really really hoped that with wonder woman we were finally on an upswing with um dc films that being said going into justice league i i knew superman was returning uh, I knew I had heard rumblings of some things that were going that were going to happen in the movie. I was very pleasantly surprised that we got more Superman than I was expecting. I thought we were going to see Superman show up at the end, and that was it. But he, by again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, Superman is a full fledged member of the Justice League in this film. He's not just a a return at the end of the movie, and. I will say this. This was my biggest 
point to this. I don't want to say critique because it's not. Uh, it's far from it. My biggest thing about this film that really made me enjoy Justice League is the fact that all the love I lost for Superman from Man of Steel all came back with Justice League. Oh, there's this that there's this, such a beautiful moment in this movie uh, near the very end as they're tearing, you know, the Unity mother box apart and separating back into the three pieces with Cyborg and, and Clark. And <laughs> the moment that it splits and they just get laid out from the explosion. <laughs> and uh, beforehand, they're like, I don't want to die. You know, it was like, I hope He's this, like, I, I kinda, just came back. I, I kind of like, like being alive. alive. And then and the, the moment was, <laughs> I, I just love the line of this Clark, like, I take it back. I want to die. I want to die. And then and Cyborg, I, just, I love his response. He's like, my toes hurt. Is that, <laughs> does that seem weird that my toes hurt? <laughs> but just, and, and, you, and you, you hit the nail right on the head. That one line right there, that was Superman. That was it. Was the levity and the humor and, and the Boy Scoutishness of of Superman and of Clark and of the the whole aspect of he's not miserable. He's not mopey. This is now a Superman. He loves being alive. He wants to help people. And on that note, oh, one of my biggest critiques the, the of best Man of Steel. Oh, there's this great. Uh, I know the line you're about to say, and that was what was ruminating in my head. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, the the biggest critique I had of Man of Steel was the fact that he was not about the people. He was about just making sure, you know, he was about fighting. And that was uh, one of the, all the people that got hurt in Man of Steel because he just had no, he just had a complete disrespect regard for everything that was going on around him completely turned around in this movie where he's getting ready to to face Steppenwolf or, or tear those mother boxes apart and he just hears with his super hearing that citizens are in trouble and he's like citizens are in trouble and boom he's gone mm-hmm. and he goes to rescue them before anything else they the people took precedent over everything that is fucking superman and I love him flying up alongside Barry. He's like, hey, Slowpoke. He's like, all right. He's like, how about this? You go to the left. I go to the right. Let's do this. And I'm like, <laughs> dude. And it's, 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 it's these fun, lighthearted quips. And they are very lighthearted, big blue Boy Scout Superman that exactly what you want to hear out of his mouth. And it never feels rude or condescending. It is coming from a place of love and heart. And that's exactly what he needed to be. And holy crap that they Man, they just did it. They absolutely Dude, did it. The scene that had the, another scene that had me absolutely laughing. Like we're in the midst of this big battle that's going on, and there are still moments that make you laugh. And it's right after that scene that you mentioned. You know, with Superman flying alongside of Flash. Flash feels great about rescuing this one family in a truck, and then he looks over, and Superman is carrying a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's full of people like these are the moments that where was all of this in these past movies and and you know what my wife said it best and it connected with me on such a great level this is one of the animated movies made to life like where it's like hey you know we talked about it how are they going to pull this off um, you know they're going in such a different direction everybody's so used to the way that Marvel has done things and like can they introduce these characters make us care about them I am so happy to say, yes, they did. They really, really did. And I know there's people out there that still find the movie kind of eh. But you know what, man, as a DC fan, I am so happy and just so pleased with the way that these, they treated these characters with such respect. Uh, and they made enough changes to people like Barry to make him feel different than Grant. 
uh, but still feel like a nice crossover and connection between a, a Wally West or a Barry Allen that we know from the comics. And I'm really excited to see where they're going to take these characters. And we all knew that Jeff Johns and um, I think John Berg did not come into the picture to really start keeping control of these films until after Justice League and Wonder Woman were already in pre-production. Uh, and I think just their presence has shown what can happen and what we're going to see now with them really at the helm of running the show. I think Wonder uh, Aquaman is going to be when we're going to see it. I mean, and even Momoa it was such a great standout character in this. I mean, the scene, again, I mean, talking about just funny moments and, and moments of levity, the scene with Aquaman sitting on Wonder Woman's lasso was just, it was brilliant. I mean, because you see the smile on Wonder Woman and Batman's faces because they realize what's going on before he does. And it's, it was so well done. And I know, again, you go with the Rotten Tomatoes, you look at Rotten Tomatoes and it's only at like a 41%, I think, right now. So it's very comparable rating critic-wise to the other films that came out. But I think there's more underneath of all of that than just a critic's rating. There, there's I, now with a couple weeks in like the, you know, the audience scores is still at, it was at like 86 percent. It has only dropped two or three points. It's, it's still sitting at 82 uh, something. There's something going on there. And I think a lot of people are wondering a little bit more on how Rotten Tomatoes is running some stuff, uh, especially after the big show that they made of how they wanted to release the reviews, uh, making a lot of people think that there were embargoes um, because that's what they did. Um, and it was, uh, and the embargoes, oh yeah, well, every film has an embargo for reviews, but they lifted many days before Rotten Tomatoes did their whole unveiling. Oh yeah. So something, everybody's already saying something seems dirty, something seems wrong somewhere in the mix. Um, and it could just also be a massive, you know, view between the critics and the audience at this point. Uh, it makes you wonder if the, if the, you know, critics are kind of falling into the same hole, but, uh, you know, right now reviews counted for, uh. Uh, critics is something like 275 with a rating of like uh, 5.3 out of 10. Um, so it's right in the middle. But it, that, but for some odd reason, even if that's the average ratings, why is it sitting at a 41%? Something seems a little weird there. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what's quite going on. So it's a little little bizarre. So it, it says it says a lot too. I mean, it, it, I think when it comes to the critics, the critics are in the state of mind now. And I say this as a critic because I do go to movie screenings a lot. I do write reviews on films. Uh, mine aren't nearly as you know. I don't get as much attention as somebody from like the New York Times or Entertainment Weekly or anything like that. But I, I think the the critics are in the state of mind that oh, Marvel good, DC bad. Like, and it's it, that's not the way to approach going into this. I may not have liked previous films, and every film I went into. Uh, going to an advanced screening, I still gave a second shot. I still watched Man of Steel a number of times after that first initial time to see if I liked it any better, and I didn't. Batman v Superman, you know, upon multiple viewings, I've noticed things I liked and other things that I didn't about the film. Justice League is one. You know, Wonder Woman, I've I've watched a number of times, and I've loved it every time. Justice League is one I will watch again. I might even go see it uh, again at some point this week. Uh, thank you, Movie Pass. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of, I saw Thor Friday night too with movie pass and I freaking loved it, but, um, you know, I will go see it again. And it, it, it says a lot that when, after I saw this film with you on Tuesday and I posted like, just like a one line review on Facebook, uh, people at who I'm friends with on Facebook and both, and, you know, and people I, I went, I work with and I mentioned my 
my quick review without spoiling anything, it, it says a lot that a lot of those people were like, wow, that actually surprises us that you liked it because you haven't been a fan. And I, I, who knows? I mean, I might notice things about the movie that need a little bit of work when I see it again, but I went into it this first time more as a fan than a critic, and I walked out of it very surprised how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, That was my second viewing, and I still enjoyed it just as much the second time. And I picked up and noticed a t- couple tiny little things, but you know what? All in all, very, very happy. Still very, very pleased. And it makes me uh, really excited to see the future of this stuff. So Yeah. With the exception of Wonder Woman, this is the first movie I walked out of uh, seeing uh, wondering when I was going to go back to the theater to see it again. <laughs> that's great. So, so that's always wonderful. And so. it will probably be this week. I'm not going to lie. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, there was uh, some other great moments. I loved seeing a Green Lantern as part of the the past battle and sets up a potential for a Green Lantern joining the fray in the present day. Yeah. Uh, and the... um... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say because the ring is lost. So... Uh, you know, it, the ring is still out there to be found. And the cutscenes during the credits were both amazing. Well, actually, you know what? I got a little news story. I thought that would be kind of fun because your timing on that is kind of perfect. So we'll just bump this one up as well. But uh, apparently the original one of the original things we were going to see at the end of the film were two members of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, you know, we were going to apparently see Tomar Ray and Kilowog visiting Bruce Wayne at the lake house. Uh, and they said... There was uh, some things already, um, you know, shot for it, but it was scrapped fairly early on. But it would have been pretty cool. But it sounds like it would, they were trying to find their search for Hal Jordan. So, uh, but the ones that we did get, like I said, I put those teasers a couple weeks ago, was the uh, the foot race between Superman and Flash, which we did get to see, which, God, that just made me happy. Which was so amazing. I, like, I loved that scene so much. And, uh, and then, no, uh, we, we got a set up to the Legion of Doom, <laughs> which was kind of cool, too, uh, <laughs> with uh, Joe Maganello as a Deathstroke, which looked great. Yeah. Man, and he, he and he fantastic. has since re- he has since released pictures on Twitter, too, of him as Deathstroke. And I'm so, so happy he, he, he's not lost in the shuffle of what's going on with Matt Reeves film. So, yeah. Uh, I will say that, and this will be my final point on Justice League 2. I mentioned this during the podcast last week when we talked about, uh, you know, Affleck stepping down and um, the potential of Jake Gyllenhaal coming into the role and it being just a switching of actors and not a passing of the torch. Uh, And I mentioned last week that I feel it should be a passing of the torch because this is a much older superhero, you know, in this timeline. And after watching Justice League, I feel even more so about that uh you know because of the fact that it's even said in justice league by you know commissioner gordon batman has been around for 20 years so we know affleck has had this mantle as bruce wayne for 20 years going into this i feel like you've made it known now that he's a seasoned veteran to this Mm -hmm. world this is a good opportunity now that you 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 pass the torch. You bring yeah. in Jake Gyllenhaal. You bring in another actor. And you have it be Bruce Wayne turning over the mantle of Batman to somebody new. You go into – and I think Shad even brought it up on the Facebook page, and it was something I brought in – I said last week. You could do a Batman Beyond situation here without actually it being Batman Beyond, like into the future. It, it could be a present-day Batman Beyond, like he's turning over the mantle and becoming a mentor to somebody new. 
and you do it this way, you can bring Affleck into the fold as Bruce Wayne, but he never has to wear the cowl. You know, it's whoever this new person is. Or you make him wear the cowl for maybe one scene in the beginning. And it's when he decides to hang it up. And now you have this new person wearing the cowl. Yeah. So I... I, I, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, my brain was actually thinking if they wanted to do something interesting, um, you fill in some of those 20 years in Matt Reeves' film, set it maybe, you know, early early aughts, and uh, have... Jake Gyllenhaal play the younger version of the Bruce Wayne that we currently know, introduce another character, and then when we get around to um, something like Justice League, if you did a passing of the torch with Ben Affleck to somebody else that maybe was set up in that precursor film series, that could be an interesting way to do it. But it depends really on how, you know, what they choose to do. But again, it does get a little convoluted in that mix, but it would be interesting to see what they could do with it. But I would love to get a little bit more filled in on some of the things that have happened in this Batman's life in those 20 years because there's a way for them to do that. And I think there's some cool things that they could do. It's just a question of what Warner Brothers ultimately decides to do. And I'm sure because of the box office numbers that are still coming in right now in Justice League, it's you know doing amazing overseas. So we know we're going to get a sequel. But the question is, uh, what are they going to learn from this one? So, But it still hasn't made the money it needs to make yet. Not yet, no. and that's and that's the thing. I mean, and, and unfortunately, it it picked a, a rather bad week. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, because you know, you had a, a Disney Pixar film opening the following week, which we knew was going to take the box office. There was no question about it. And everybody's uh, already mean, saying Coco is phenomenal too, so that's going to really hurt them. Yeah, I mean, and you, I mean. When it comes to Disney Pixar, and you could put any movie up against a Disney Pixar film, especially over Thanksgiving weekend, and any movie you put up against it, I think the only movie you could potentially put up against it would be the new Star Wars. And either way, Disney makes their money on that one, so it it doesn't really matter. But you put any other film up against a Disney Pixar film on Thanksgiving weekend, that film is going to lose. Yeah. So, I mean, Justice League kind of did pick a little bit of a bad week to open if if – I were Warner Brothers, I would have opened it a week or two before yeah. it did because then you have more time to to rake in the box office before that movie you're competing against opens up. Absolutely. Uh, but it's still going to make money. I mean, it, there's there's still many weeks that it's going to go and MoviePass will be paying for me to see it again. So I, they're going to get their money from me either way. Yeah. And like I said, so far I've bought four tickets for that movie. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, and I won't be buying more. Uh, let's get into the shows yeah, for yeah. the week, shall we? Um, starting off first, again, we're, we're going to skip the ranking since we already did it. Rob's legend across the board. I am legend across the board until Arrow, which gets a high hero. Uh, but starting off first, we have Supergirl Season 3, Episode 7, titled Wake Up. Kara investigates when an alien ship lands underwater beneath National Sea. Hank attempts to bond with his father. Samantha looks to her strained mother for answers. Uh, I had mentioned last week that this one was directed by Chad Lowe. Uh, Rob Lowe's brother, Chad Lowe, who we also saw in a previous episode as the um, the leader of the cult for the Children of Rao. Uh, and I do want to start off by saying, called it. I think I said that last week, too. I might have. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> called it about the ship underwater being the return of Monel, mm-hmm. which we did see uh, at the same time. But on top of that, we also did get Saturn Girl. Uh, coming into the fray as well. Now, I know um, you you would probably know better than I would. Um, And actually, it's funny because I'm looking at the IMDb now. IMDb last week had her listed as Saturn Girl. 
Uh, this week they don't, be, I guess, because it was never mentioned that she is Saturn Girl. Right. Uh, in not the yet. episode. I mean, we got a tease of her. Well, pretty much we, we found out about her existence uh, and the, the, you know, the marriage twist very close to the end of the episode. So I'm sure that we'll uh, there'll be some brief discussions about it this coming week um, coming from Kara when she uh, meets up for the wedding. So we definitely see her in that original trailer for Crisis on Earth X. She's like, I am very happy to be away from everything right now. So, yeah. Um, so I think we'll, we'll get a little bit more on that. So. Yeah. Um, now, correct me because I don't. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with a lot of the Legion. But um, Saturn Girl is a superhero, correct? She does have abilities. Yes. Um, okay. Saturn Girl is, like I said, one of the Legion's superhero. Uh, the you know the members of the Legion of Superheroes. What do do you know off the top of your head? What her abilities are? Uh, it's been a quite a bit of a long time in all honesty okay. since I've read anything with her character, uh, and I actually think if memory serves correctly, it is a different legionnaire that uh, Monel is married to in the comics. But I could be wrong. Uh, again, okay. that's something I I can double check next week. So, okay, no, no, I was just curious if it was something that you knew uh, off the top of your head. But yeah, but we see that the. The spaceship, the the spaceship underwater is in fact a ship that is carrying Monel, Saturn Girl, and a number of other members, which we assume, I guess, are going to be other Legion members going forward. Mm-hmm. So, at, I think you're right in what you said is that we're going to see these people revealed throughout the course of the rest of the season, which I'm very happy about. I think that's such a good way to do this. So, yeah, exactly. Um. The only other thing, I think there were two basic, two big plot points that happened throughout this episode because we really didn't get a lot of, of anybody else other than Kara, Monel, and um, and Samantha going into this episode. Uh, because Samantha, by the end of this episode, Samantha, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I think it's safe to say Samantha is Rain by the yep. end. Boom. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> quick kind of like, hey, this is who you are. And she's like, well, crap. And something clicks in her head, and she goes full-on villain. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. it's And I like – one of the things I liked that they did with that storyline is the fact that it's – they they definitely made it seem like Samantha as Rain is the polar opposite of Supergirl as Kara as Supergirl. You know, Supergirl we know through Superman has the uh, Fortress of Solitude, which is made of ice and is in the northern part of the world. We know that Car- uh, Samantha as Rain has a kind of fortress herself, very similar, except made of rock in the desert heat. Mm-hmm. So it's like fire and ice between the two of them. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they're going to go with this now and how they're going to proceed with this. I-, I have a feeling, again, we're not going to see any of Samantha next week. We're not going to see any of uh, – I-, I could be completely wrong. I don't know how – I mean this whole crossover is, is- – around the wedding of of Barry and Iris in The Flash. So I don't know how I'm very curious how they're going to kick it off on Supergirl. Yeah, no, it's I'm very curious, but I you know, honestly, you're right. I think we're going to see and not get any mention of Samantha this week. I I figure that they we do know that the finale uh, or mid-season finale is the week after. So they did say very clearly that that's going to be Rain in costume at that point in time and then we will see her and Kara together at some point whether it is them fighting alongside each other for a moment or if we're just going to see her just go full-on villain 
Um, but you know what? I got to say this. I really still loved the buildup. And I thought it was kind of touching where, you know, she looks at her daughter, Ruby, and says, I'm going to go get answers. Everything's going to be fantastic and great. I will tell you all about it, but I got to do this myself. And to know how piss poor that went for her. And that's going to be really <laughs> interesting to see. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how it plays out. But not the way either of us expected it to play out. They went straight up. This is exactly what happened to Kara. And the exact same thing happened to Rain. And um, it's just the polar opposite. So this is very much a, uh, a Zoom kind of feeling of what we got from season two of The Flash. Uh, it's kind of like their lives both kind of went in the same way, but they were there for different reasons. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, as you mentioned, it went very differently than what we anticipated. I had suspected that something with uh, with Samantha's daughter, uh, Ruby, was something that was going to kind of uh, force this to happen. And it's something that was going to kind of create rain out of this. Uh, but this was pretty much go searching for what you're looking for. And this is what you find. And you've you know, you've now found that you were rain. I'm now starting to believe that. I think it was something that you had said that now I still believe that Ruby is going to be a big part of this whole story. I do too. Uh, and But now I'm starting to think it's more along the lines of what you had said is that Ruby is almost going to be Samantha's redemption. Yeah. Well, think of it. It's, it's, it's bringing in the big guns as Justice League like to put it. You know, that's going to yeah. be the thing oh, that's yeah. going to snap her out. So, so yeah, I think exactly. it's pretty predictable in where we're going to go by the end of the season. But I'm very curious to see how she plays into things, how she's going to play into things with Morgan Edge. Uh, that could be very interesting to see if there's some kind of an alliance, uh, especially with Samantha, the you know, running uh, Elcor. And is she going to do some things to kind of really damage the Elcor brand for Alina? Because obviously you're going to see a, that relationship kind of become rocky and fall apart. Uh, and I think this is a great way to show these people as friends and build it up show their connection how tight they are and then just tear it to shreds um so i think they handled this in a really smart way i was looking forward to seeing how it was going to play out but you know last week uh supergirl pro- like proved that the writing can be fantastic when we got that uh midvale episode and they just continued on here uh, and, and you know what another thing we missed is uh john and his father uh that was great to see as well that play out again this week so i'm very very happy with all the moves that they did and getting a chance to slow down a little bit uh, watch them kind of reconnect as father and son while Kara's dealing with everything with Monel. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was great. I mean, the moments with them uh, in- introducing him, <laughs> the scene with uh, with John's father asking to use the bathroom. <laughs> You know, and, and when, like, you've been here for two weeks, and he's like, I know, I've been holding it. Like, that's, there's, there's still humor in everything that's going on, but I love the family dynamic between John and Marin, uh, you know, between John and his father. Um, I like the fact as well, and this is something that I brought up last week that I was really hoping they were going to do, is returning to Midvale and exploring everything, you know, Alex deciding you know going there because she needs a break from the world and i had said last week that i hope this is kind of the wrap-up of the her and alex storyline and going forward we're not really going to hear much about this now going to a wedding this week i assume alex is going to be brought up Uh, you know because it sucks going to a wedding when you've just recent off a breakup i've done it it sucks um so I assume this is something that's going to be brought up. I fully expect it to be. I'm not going to be disappointed if it is. But I'm glad that they didn't dwell on it this week. Yes. We went to Midvale last week. We got the storyline completed. 
let's move on with the story. And that's exactly what they did this week. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what we're going to see. I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head. There'll be a brief mention of it. Kara's big thing there is just going to be needing to get away from the situation, which makes complete sense. Uh, but I think we're going to see this kind of play out for quite a little bit now. Uh, but you know what? No, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. I, I, I love Chris Wood. I think he's such a great addition in this cast. And I'm really looking forward to finally seeing the Legionnaires in this show. They've been teasing us for so long with that ring. And I'm so happy that we're going to actually see something happen. So, Yes. Uh, my only disappointment with Supergirl so far going uh, again, this was episode seven of the season. We're seven episodes in. We're just under halfway. Uh, well, now. We're almost halfway. We're not there yet. Uh, I think with 22 episodes, so we, we still got a little ways to go before we're at that halfway point. But we're, we are approaching the midseason break. Uh, going to that, and I kind of do count the midseason break almost like the halfway point, mm-hmm. even though it's technically not. It's still just before it. Uh, but no Guardian yet this season. Still, yeah. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. Maybe it has to do a little bit with maybe certain people just didn't like it. Maybe the studio didn't like how it played out. And they were like, it seems a little weird, uh, but I would like to see it still still happen at some point soon. So, Well, we've still got mention of Guardian, though. Yeah. We've still gotten mention of, of James and Wynn still going out and doing their thing. We just haven't seen any visuals of it yet. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe we'll get a little more Guardian going past into – uh, going into the second half of the season after the midseason break when the show is returned. Well, the one thing the show is not doing as much as the other shows is it's not as villain of the week this year. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. Um, it's, it's been a continual story, really, and it, it's just been a little uh, a villain of the week kind of every once in a blue moon, but not as consistent as some of the other shows like Flash. So I, I think they're they're doing things drastically different, and I think they're actually making some really smart calls. So. Yeah, I think it took a little while for the show to find its footing in the first couple episodes. Uh, they had to get the again the Alex and um, Maggie uh, Maggie stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad that's finally over, and it seems that now that it is now it's it, they're they're starting to find their footing a little bit more, and they're going into they're setting things up now. And I like how this episode kind of set up a couple things, saying like we know this crossovers next week. But here's a couple things to look forward to, mm-hmm. you know, bringing back Monel, introducing Saturn Girl, um, or uh, Imra as her uh, her real name is Imra Ardeen. Um you know. So they're setting the things up that are going to happen after the crossover, and it's almost a little bit of a tease. Yeah. Uh, anything else on Supergirl before we move forward into the Flash? No, I think I'm actually uh, very. Uh... Very happy with how uh, everything played out, man. Uh, I, I think the only thing we didn't note was uh, that ship or the uh, the legions, legionnaires. I have, was under there for what they said a couple thousand years, or was it like a yeah, yeah. So they yeah they said it was under there for a couple thousand years, but again to Monel it was only been seven, seven. Yeah. So there's definitely some elements of time travel going on in there. I think. I, I, I think it was the ship was sent back three thousand or two thousand years too early. Yeah, uh, and he was in a he was in Stasis. by that yeah. point it had yeah. by that point it had been seven years to him when it, the ship was sent back, and for those two couple thousand years he was in suspended animation. So it's been seven years to him. It's been much longer in real in real time. Right. Yeah. Uh, but to Kara, it's only been seven months. So you know. Uh, 
there's definitely some elements there that need to be worked out. Yeah. Uh, and in the comic books, uh, it's Shadow Lass and Monel are the ones that are hunting wife. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, next week, or this week rather, on Supergirl, one word, crossover. That's all it's <laughs> going to be for every episode. Yep. <laughs> every episode this week that we look forward, crossover. That's it. Uh, next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 7, Therefore I Am. Barry comes face-to-face with DeVoe, whose past is revealed through flashbacks. Uh, I will say this right from the start. This episode was fantastic. Yes. It it blew me away how good this episode was. And you hit it on the head. You know, I'll just let you say it. What you said about the thinker Man, I, from this episode. I, you wonder how a villain that's in a wheelchair could be something that's terrifying. And holy crap, did they succeed. Everything that you could think of. I mean, and that's one thing I really love, that they were not afraid to break away from the speedster villains. And everybody, like, looked at DeVoe. Like, really? That's going to be your big bad? Is this really going to – is this going to work? Man, it totally did. He is terrifying to see what he is capable of. And I think this was such the right call. Absolutely the right call. And, man, knocked it out of the park this week. This was one of the best villain setups. And I love they didn't wait until, like, late mid-season, late in season like we got with Savitar. They're giving all the time in the world to really flesh out this villain, and it's working. And and I also find the brilliance in in the writing and the reveal of DeVoe as the thinker. Uh, there were uh, two other things that I absolutely loved about this. I love when a show can very smartly take things back all the way to the beginning. And that's exactly what this episode is. You, you find out that the thinker was created at the same time as Barry and from the same event. Uh, I mean, now, we've gotten that through a number of metas, and we've seen flashbacks through a number of metas that go back. But we see how ingrained this particular character over some of the other metas who might have been somewhere else around, you know, around the city when they became who they were. We find out how closely ingrained DeVoe really was to all of this. Barry was in the same area as DeVoe when it happened. He, you know, we see the flashback of when Iris's purse is stolen. Not only that, but we see Eobard Thawne as Harrison Wells and his speech to him. You get that inkling from that speech. Eobard knew this was going to happen. Yeah, and not even that, he, too. He, the fact that DeVoe knew the particle accelerator was going to fail and banked on it for them, for him and his wife to come up with their, their um, kind of, uh, you know, the memory or the mind-enhancing, um, you know, device that they were working on. And it was insane. It was, it was the yeah. fact that they even knew that even prior to him having his powers. They knew it inside and out as scientists, and I thought that was ingenious because they are that well in the know. And now he has this insane ability to basically solve anything. Yeah, and not only that, but one of the other things that I loved about this episode and loved about this whole backstory of DeVoe, which, by the way, every season of The Flash should have done this with their villain. If they did, man, it would have made any villain that they had even more terrifying. But what they did with DeVoe in particular is while they made him a terrifying villain and they made him somebody you know legit scares the hell out of Barry because he fully admits it, at the same time, there are elements of this backstory that make you feel sorry for him. 
you know that he's got ALS and it's caused from this particle accelerator uh, explosion. And you know that it's literally killing every element of his body except his mind. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, there are certain points when you see him collapse and you see th- th- certain things of him in pain, um, you know, see him going into shakes and seizures and things like that. You legit, at least I did, you legit feel sorry for him at times. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we still haven't gotten yet is his motivations yet. And I think yes, that was smart. I realized that the second time I watched it. That was, it. I think, a very smart thing because now we're invested in him as the villain and now we want to know more. They gave us just enough with still just enough still on the edge. So I'm really, really looking forward to watching this play out. And this episode was great, too, watching, you know, Barry use those, you know, uh, CSI skills that he has when he's in his home with Joe uh, and looking around and catching the thing like the samurai armor and, you know, thinking about the samurai stuff and just honestly, Barry kind of going into a bit of paranoia and it real and the thing that DeVoe planned for that and absolutely knew how this was going to affect him, the things he was going to do leading to Barry getting suspended from the force, um, you know, restraining order and all, but ultimately being like, you need to tell me, are you really, you know, the thinker? Are Is this who you really are? Tell me no. And just that scene at the very end when they're in the classroom and him being like, of course I am. And I also know you're the Flash. Have a nice day. Get out of my classroom, basically. Man, something about that that just, just hit on all cylinders. And I loved even the fact it was kind of like, nope, I'm not going to attack him. He knows what's going on. He's getting married next week. Enjoy wedding. All these little things, yeah. man. It makes him so creepy and i love it i think it's such a great villain for this season but not only that but i mean you know you mentioned that classroom scene and how he knew that barry was the flash and everything else but you know you throw on top of that the fact that he knew about the council of wells he knew about all these other things that were going on that barry thought they were steps ahead of devoe this whole time and it finds out and you know and it makes barry realize nope we are so far behind that we have no idea this guy knew everything that we were doing, and he just never let on that he knew. It does make it a very terrifying situation for Barry and for the rest of the team. So, you know, it's very legit that Barry does admit he's, it, this terrifies him. And, uh, th- you know, the other thing as well is the fact that um, – ah, crap, I had it. I, it. <laughs> <laughs> I had something else I was, uh, was going to mention, and I – Totally slipped my mind. Shit. <laughs> well, oh, oh, <laughs> I had another well, point. Here, I'll bring up a fun point real quick, and while you try to see if you can kind of root through your brain and find it, uh, but all there right. was a great small moment though this week too, because it wasn't all dust, insane moment after moment. There was this one line of levity though that just made me smile, and that was when Wally came back, mentioning fighting yes. a giant oh, starfish. Yes. The fact that he fought Starro. I love the fact that they that brought that up. That was such a great nod. Uh, and it was so small. It was a blink and you miss it mention. But it was if you caught it, I guarantee if you're a DC fan, that brought a smile to your face. But that was that oh, was wonderful. Um, and I, I really love the fact that where we're at, I, I think this is going to be just an exceptional, exceptional rest of your se- rest of the season. Yeah. So I can't remember the the other point I was going to make, but I do remember one other one, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because I, there there's something that's been lying uh, throughout the show, and it's we've gotten a couple mentions of it, and it's something that permanently annoys me a little bit, and I want to see your feeling on it too. And it's this whole 
Iris stating, we are the Flash. No, you're not. Barry is the Flash. You are his wife. I mean, I understand you're a part of the team. You can say, we are Team Flash. You're not the Flash. Barry's the Flash. Uh, mm, it, it gets on my nerves. I disagree nerves. with you. Okay. I mean, I, that's why I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to get your opinion on this because I wanted to see how you felt about that. I personally, I don't like that. I, like, I, it, it's a one. I think it's awkwardly, it's awkwardly stated, but it's the same way. If I think of a character like Superman, what makes up Superman? Well, it's everything in his life that makes him the hero. And Lois Lane has always been this massive part of it. I think without Lois Lane, you don't have Superman. But you never hear uh, Lois say, we are Superman. Uh, you know, I, I think it's more one of those things that it, it, it's kind of a reminder more or less to Barry saying, you know, regardless of anything that happens, I'm always going to be here for you. One of those moments. That, I think that's really what they're trying to say. And it's the way that they worded it is I think it was just this very sweet, cute moment. But I think if you try to pick it apart, I think that's really what all it is, is the saying, regardless, remember everything that you're going through. I'm there with you. So I, I, I can understand that and I can definitely see it that way. But I I'd appreciate it better if that's actually how it was stated rather than <laughs> we are the flash because I hear that and I'm like, no, no, you're not. You're really not. Now, Wally could say that <laughs> <laughs> because. He's the Flash. He has the he's he speedster. He can say those abilities. He's Kid Flash. He could say to Barry, "We are the Flash," and it's legit. Iris, not so much. So, but I, I do understand the point that they're trying to make. I just think they go about it in the wrong way when they say it that way. So, uh, I still can't remember that other point I was going to make. Uh, it'll probably come to me as we're talking about Arrow. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. But uh, anything else? About, I mean, again, this was just a, uh, a an incredible episode when it came to Clifford DeVoe and it came to the Thinker and him finally getting the name the Thinker uh, from Cisco. But yeah, I, there's just the just a fantastic episode, and I, I hope that we get more. Oh, I remember what it was now. Um, I remember I was we kind of already brought it up, but I was it, I was just reiterating a point that uh, upon even upon second viewing, it was more predominant to me that. When we got to the end of the episode, I realized that, like you said, we still didn't know why is he doing this. And it's as you said that we don't yet know DeVoe's motivation for why he is doing the way he is, what he's doing. So, yeah. Uh, anything else about The Flash? No, no, I think, I think we uh, hit everything fantastically. Uh, you know, I will say the one thing, the way that we watch the show, I, it sucks because we're missing some stuff, which is those stretch scenes that they're doing this year, um, where it is, if you ever watch it and you say, hey, watch this special stretch scene for the uh, for the series. Uh, so there are all additional scenes for every episode in this season. Uh, and they are don't know where you can view them. Probably on CW's app. I think they're. I think if all... you. I think if you follow the Flash on Facebook, they also post them on there because I've seen them on Facebook too. Yeah, but like there's a Ralph Dibney scene for this week. Apparently, that was apparently very very funny. Uh, but it's only available through the stretch scenes. So uh, that is kind of irritating me. I'd rather be like this, this stick in it. Well, it's very appropriate <laughs> that they call them stretch scenes too because I think a majority of them so far have been Ralph. There, I think they're all Ralph. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. So, so. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Legends of Tomorrow season three, episode seven. Welcome to the jungle. The team trace a new anachronism to the jungles of Vietnam. Rory and Nate bump into someone from Rory's past. Um, 
I do have one big complaint about this episode. And it's not really a big complaint. It's just something, again, that annoyed me. Uh, we As we... We did get the introduction to Rory's father, which we did know. Uh, a number of different people, actually. We got Lyndon B. Johnson, Isaac Newton. We got a number of people show up in this episode. Uh, but we did get Dick Rory, Mick's father. And I think the actor who played his father, uh, the actor's name is Evan Jones, I think he tried a little too hard to be Mick. Yeah, the voice was a little, yeah. little much. Yeah, I've seen that actor before. I know he doesn't talk like that. So mm-hmm. I think it was a little overdone getting the grovel of the voice that Mick does to kind of make them like father and son. Yeah. I, 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 that was my only complaint to this episode. Um, th- we got so many other great references to, you know, uh, Apocalypse Now. There was even a Ghostbusters reference. I don't know if you picked <laughs> up on it. I'm, I don't think I did. I, I missed that. And it's um, – I will jump right to it now because it probably would have been my line of the week. But there was a scene with Martin Stein at the end when they knew that Grodd was going to the Wave Rider. And, you know, he said, I wish the captain were awake and in walked Sarah. Uh, but it was Sarah under the, you know, the guise of Gorilla Grodd. Uh, and she says, possessed by Grodd, there is no Sarah. And the moment she oh, said, that's right. the moment yeah. she said it, I'm like, just the moment she said that inside, I'm screaming, say, please say only Grodd. Please say only Grodd. And the next line is only Grodd. I'm like, yes, we got a Ghostbusters <laughs> reference in a Vietnam storyline. Oh, God, that's too funny. <laughs> so I love when the show does little things like that. And they're for pop culture junkies like myself and you. That's what makes this show that's what makes Amazing. us love this show as much as we do. Because the writers of it love it as much as we do, and they honor them in such great ways. And it's all the movies that I think you and me just love and adore, like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, Star Wars, you know, Ghostbusters, Goonies, these the, the ones that are like these near and dear childhood memories. And they're gotta be the probably the same childhood memories for most of the actors on this show. So I love how great and amazing that they are with honoring those things yeah yeah exactly uh but you know going back to the start of the episode we 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 see that they they kind of pick this anachronism just off a wall jacks just kind of picks it just by pointing at a random one and we're starting to we're really getting led to believe throughout the course of this episode that they're not as random as we think they are and they're, they're not as random as the legends might think they are as well uh the legends have tie-ins to all these anachronisms, and they finally start to realize it this episode. Uh, you know, we do see that Nate and Amaya and Ray kind of realize that, hey, you know, we had an anachronism with a younger Ray. Um, you know, Kuasa is Vixen's granddaughter. We're seeing Mick's father in Vietnam. We saw a great-great-grandfather of Professor Stein in, you know, in the, uh, the 1800s. Uh, there's more to these anachronisms than... I hate the Transformers reference, but there's more than meets the eye to these anachronisms. The legends are tied into them more than we suspected that they ever were. And it's going to be very interesting to see who's going to be next when it comes to these. Yeah. Um, you know, who's who's going to be tied into next one. So, I mean, and not to mention we have Damien Dark, who is connected to Sarah. Not directly. It's not a, a, a distant relative like everybody else's, but... Um, you know, we're starting to see that they all have connections one way or another. I'm very curious to see who they're going to bring from Sarah's life into this. 
Yeah, uh, I actually am very curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, and, you know, you're right. It, it, the question is, it just because it's Damien Dark, because he's the one pulling pulling the strings. But I'm very curious to see how that, that's going to that's going to that whole thing is going to go. We feel like there's still so much more like Jax hasn't had his connection yet. So where where that's going to fall, same with Sarah. So. And again, Zari, too. I mean, we got a little bit of that, too, with uh, Dark's daughter. Um, you know, it's kind of going into uh, her her dead brother. So it's going to be interesting to see a lot of these things play out. But, yeah, I'm very excited to see how this connection continues. But it still is proving that Damien Dark is the right-hand man of Malice is just perfect. And it's it's kind of like they're building up their own brand-new Legion of Doom this season. And I like the idea if they just continue it and rotate out their members. Because now Garada is a part of this whole thing. And this is a great way to do this. I think this has been a very smart move for them this season. How do you top the Legion of Doom? You don't. You just continue the Legion of Doom. You, you adapt it. You don't top it. You adapt it. So you're absolutely right. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the other big thing about this episode, and it's really, again, our discussions with Legends are usually kind of short. It's only because... They're they're not very detailed episodes. They're just a lot of fun and and progressing the storyline. And this one in particular, it, this was pretty character changing to Mick. Um, oh yeah, this was a huge yeah, and, Mick episode. I'm, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go for his character because could he do something that changes his life or history? There was a moment in this episode when he's kind of reflecting on because he kills his parents. Um, and burns them alive in a home before he goes off and becomes the villain that we know as Heatway. Um, there was a moment that I thought we were going to see him take his gloves off and not see Burns. Um, and we were going to get to start getting a very different version of the character. And there was I'm wondering if that's still in the cards. I think I, 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 I think it may be in the cards. I don't know if it's necessarily going to change his past, but I think personality, I think we're going to see a different Mick. Um, you know, as you had mentioned, uh, there were certain points where, I mean, there's a big realization that Mick comes to in this episode and that he realizes that, yes, he killed his father for being a horrible person, but he starts to realize that there were motivations behind why his father the way he was. War can change a man, and that's exactly why his father was as bad as he was. And it makes Mick start to realize that I'm worse than my father ever was. I'm, I, I've become a worse man than he was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's a point where he just really doesn't care about living anymore. He points a gun at his father... Uh, you know, and Nate says to him, Mick, you do realize what will happen if you if you kill him. And he says, yeah, I don't care. Like he's yeah. at a point where he doesn't care if he's erased from history. That's a dark that, that's a dark hole to be in. Yeah. And then there's that other final moment that we see before he they the episode kind of wraps with showing him with the Zippo you know, burning his arm. And, uh, and you know, ultimately. You know, Nate comes up to him. He's like, you know, here, you know, are you all right? Are you there? You know, and he closes the Zippo, hands it to him. He's like, I don't need this anymore. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get a very different Nick going forward. And I think this was out of actually any character that's gone through a significant change. Uh, I have to think this is probably the biggest next to Snart in season one. Uh, this is easily the biggest change we've seen in the character in this entire show's run. And um this is the one I think I'm most interested in and one I didn't see coming. Yeah, me at the same time. I think it's one of those things that, like, look, we have this group of legends together. 
they all have one thing in common and that they're very heroic and they're very, uh, you know, wanting to do good for everybody else. And Mick's kind of that wild card and he's kind of like he still does things for himself. And I think this episode is going to change that. I think this is a big redemption story for Mick at the same time. Uh, he he can't he's not going to change the fact that he did what he did, but he's he's going to change himself because of it. Yeah. I think we're going to see Mick kind of step into the heroic role a little bit more going into the future. Not to say that Mick hasn't before. He's certainly stepped up to the plate a couple times, but he's still always been kind of doing what's best for him and not best for the group. I think we're going to see a different side of Mick now where he's going to start doing things more for the group rather than himself. And this is what's going to set Mick... This is what's going to solidify him a place for Legends. Yeah, I, because, I really do. I, yeah. So yeah. I, I, too, am very curious to see where it's going to go forward from this point on. Yeah, uh, and I got to say, just, just with you, man, this was such a pleasant surprise of an episode because when I heard them, what they were going to do, I'm like, eh. I like it'll be cool to see Grodd. And uh man, Grodd felt like such an afterthought compared to what else was happening in the background of this episode. So Yeah, I think the whole Grodd uh, I think the whole Grodd stuff in this episode was more just a setup for future use of him in the season. Uh, yeah, and you know what I got to say too, it was so good to see Grodd in daylight like that, like real just drastic daylight and in real world scenes instead of like a real city. Man, he looked good too. He looked really fantastic in this episode. Now I understand where they were saving their budget because man, <laughs> they they uh, they proved it in this one. So uh, good on them. So yeah, exactly. So it, it, I'm very curious to see where they're going to end up using him uh, going forward into uh, into this. He's not listed uh, as a character in any future episodes as of now. But again, IMDb only goes a certain point forward. I don't think they have anything listed after the season break uh, as far as descriptions or anything like that. So I, I, it does surprise me that we're not seeing anything on IMDb for him in the future. I, I'm, It's fairly safe to say we're going to see Grodd pop up again. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Again, short conversation on Legends, but it, it's not to take away from anything. The episode was amazing. Looking forward to next week. Crossover. That's all I can say. Actually, the wrap-up of the crossover. Yeah. will be on Legends next and, week. And we know the big emotional um, hit they said is going to happen in that. So uh, there's a lot of signs pointing towards a death is coming. And the question is who that might be. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, it's one of three people, and I really hate to say it at this point. I think I can name two of the three that you have in mind. All right, uh, so I, go ahead. I, I think you, you, you said last week that you think one of them could be Stein. Um, I think Mick is a definite possibility now after this episode because he's had his redemption story. Uh, is that one of your three? Uh, yeah, and Jax is the other one. Okay. Yeah, so. I, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping this emotional moment we're getting is more of uh, Stein leaving rather than um, a death. But I think uh, Victor Garber is also listed for the midseason finale as well. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh God! I hope it's not a death. I really don't. Oh God! Yeah, like I said, the uh, there hasn't been a death, a real, a real, real death. Um, there's been people that died and have come back, but uh, out since kind of Ronnie in the entire Arrowverse, like that is just done and gone. Um, so the question is, yeah, well, that in HR. Uh, oh God, as as, HR! Don't even remind me. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, that was a gut punch. Yeah, seriously. So it's the big question is, uh, are, are, is something big going to go down here? So, all yeah. right. But 
let's uh, let's head over to Arrow. Yep, uh, Arrow season six, episode seven, titled "Thanksgiving." Oliver celebrates Thanksgiving with his family, but the happy moment is interrupted. Meanwhile, Black Siren returns to wreak havoc on the holiday. So, wait, there was a happy moment because <laughs> uh, the happy moment was about five seconds into the episode, and then done. <laughs> I think the happy moment was the very beginning with them raising like the amount of food that they raised at the food drive and. And such, I don't. I don't think it was anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just kind of like, hey, here's oh crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much. Hey, oh crap! Here's... It's not like, hey, we're out of stuffing. It is, hey, uh, I'm yeah. being indicted as a uh, as a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So, <laughs> uh, but I think it, one of the, the obviously the big thing that comes out of this episode, and again, it's kind of jumping to the end, is that we see uh, Oliver is donning the hood again. He is back to being the Green Arrow. So, um, but they make it seem like it might not be for long, that they might switch uh, things up again down the road. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know, because I, I did um, I, I did speak to Ramsey again at Heroes and Villains, and he did say we, do, we will see a return to Spartan. Not only that, Spartan with an upgraded outfit, an upgraded costume. So um, I think we're probably going to see Oliver keep the hood for the rest of the season. I think so, too. Uh, but yeah, all right. So let's get into the the, the big change that's happening in this season now. The nitty gritty. Yeah, because uh, it sounds like we we found uh, the motivations and the directions for the rest of the season, and that's why I'm saying this episode gets a legend. Uh, so I can never remember the FBI agent's name at all, and I just watched the episode a second time today. Uh, Samantha uh, uh, Samantha Watson. Oh uh, yeah, Agent Watson. So yes. Um, there's something very interesting that happens here. And I don't know if you picked it up, but let's just get through that part of the story first. And I want to wrap up with the final moments between Ollie and Agent Watson at the very end of the episode. So uh, she does arrest Oliver in front of his son, in front of everybody on TV, and you know, basically saying, boom, he is the Green Arrow. We have all the proof in the world. And you absolutely know she definitely does. The connections and things that she's saying to Ollie, there's no way that she does not know. Basically stating in the past that somebody else was, you know, uh, you know, the Green Arrow when he was in trouble before. Speaking of Roy Harper, uh, that John Diggle is now the current you know, Green Arrow. She knows everything. But there's a moment at the end of this, even through the trial or the start of the, uh, the arraignment that they're going through. Uh, it gets to the end of the episode and... There's a moment between these two characters that's kind of interesting. You know, the anti-vigilante uh, referendum passes, basically saying, you know, full punishment to anybody committing acts of vigilantism in the, you know, the realm of Star City. It seems like Agent Watson doesn't want him to stop being Green Arrow. It seems like she's like, come out and be honest and open about who you are. That's what it seems like she's trying to push him towards. And I don't know if that's what you took from it. But that's kind of what I'm getting is this kind of like you're not a hero. You're a vigilante. A hero comes out and faces everything head on. And I'm wondering if that's what they're about to pull with Ollie. And I didn't really think about it until my second playthrough and watch. But that scene scene seemed incredibly, incredibly important to where this is going. So so you're under the impression that she kind of wants him to come out from under the hood and and still remain being the Green Arrow. Yeah, it seems like almost be open with who he is instead of hiding it. Exactly. It's kind of like a hero is not a vigilante. (laughs) A hero is somebody like the Flash. You know, it's it's the question of is that what they do? Is that? Oh, so not 
So not yeah. necessarily admit, hey, I am the Green Arrow, but just stop being in the shadows and actually come out. Um, or do you think it is exactly what I said in that she he should admit that Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow and be very open about it? Yeah, like it's time to put all the secretism behind you guys and just be heroes. Be these people it's like the city really needs versus this shadow organization trying to keep everybody safe. It's kind of like I think you can do better for the city by being out and open about who you guys are. And I think that might be the direction they're going. I'm not quite sure because they even mentioned and there was that other connection point of watching Team Arrow in the bunker uh, basically kind of saying, hey, why did they not arrest the rest of us? Why are we not targets in the midst of all this? They know who every one of us is in, and knows that we're accomplices in this whole mess. So it's a big question of why. Why are they not being targeted as well and it's only Oliver? That feels like it's the missing piece of the puzzle where they need him to make that realization, talk to the team and say, this is what we need to do. I mean, I, I can see that and it's certainly something that I didn't take away from anything when um, when I was watching the episode. But again, I mean, like even as an FBI agent, like that's asking a lot of somebody. I mean, we we brought this up last week when it came to Ralph and being, you know, elongated man and Ralph being the first hero, the possibility of Ralph being the first hero who's very out in the open about who he is. But that's only because Ralph doesn't really have many connections that he has to worry about. It's asking a lot of somebody like Ali to do that because Ali does have family. He's got uh, he's got Thea, who's now awake, by the way. He's got Michael, who is his son. Like these are people he needs to protect by protecting who he is. Right. So I can understand if that is what she is trying to do. If that's her motivation for for constantly being on Oliver. But again, that's asking a lot it of is. somebody like Oliver because he. He has things he has. He has people in his life he needs to protect by hiding his identity. Right. And the big question is, though, with all this is basically when I was looking at this, I was like, are they trying to make an adapt like adapt Civil War somewhat from Marvel in a DC show? And that's kind of what it felt like they were kind of trying to lean into a little bit. So I'm curious if that's what they might be going to and how does this affect the errors? Again, this is wishful thinking on my part, but I think that could be a really interesting direction. But I do think that scene at the end between those two. Really, there was a lot more under the words that they were speaking. And I think that has a lot more importance than I think we realize yet. So it's a big wait and see. I can, I can see it. I can certainly see it. And I can definitely uh, – it would definitely be an interesting twist if that is the way that they're going. Um, am I confident that's the way? Not yet. But, oh, I'm not uh, either. I'm not uh, – it's, it's again, it's, there was something there uh, for that moment. It's whether she's either working with Kate and James, which is also a very big possibility – which is something I'm still thinking is it's it's one of those two outcomes. I can't see it being much beyond that. I think one way or another, there's definitely more to her character and there's more ulterior motive than we have seen. Absolutely. As of yet. There's definitely still something there. She's she's going after Oliver. She has Oliver as a target for a particular reason. And again, it's like you said, they mentioned in this episode, uh, you know, Renee, why didn't they come after us? They know about all of us. Why didn't they? And, and like Echo, uh, Echo uh, Curtis says, you know, you go after the underlings to get to the kingpin. You don't go after the kingpin to get to the underlings. So why wouldn't she go after all of them first just to get to Oliver? But yeah, which I, would be standard procedure for an investigation like this. But yeah. she goes right to Oliver. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting because it's it's one of those questions of 
I think the audience was about to start asking for the fact that they already addressed it. And I'm like, interesting. Now with a puzzle, what is going to happen next? So kind of cool. I actually really like the direction of where they went this week. So that was a big, huge bonus point for me. Uh, the other thing we got to see really in full force is Caden James kind of becoming the big bad of our season. Um, for very unknown reasons, yet again, with the exception of, hey, he's got a dead son. It's like, hey, uh, let's do the Prometheus angle all over. Yeah. Of a father. Yeah. It's a kid. Uh, but we don't even have full direction showing that it his son is dead yet. We get a little bit of info from that in the bunker as well. So I'm very curious on what they're going to do here. Uh, but I, got, I can say, even though we don't have a lot here, Michael Emerson, man, he can choose scenery like nobody else. Uh, he, he's he's going to be a fun villain to be in the mix. So, And uh, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, Black Siren as well. I don't know about you. I think she has been a fun, fun kind of foil. Kind of gives you like that Damien Dark to a the reverse Flash. The way that they played off of each other in last last year of uh, Legends, oh, getting a little bit of that vibe, and it worked. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you know, going back to Michael Emerson real quick, it's he just plays these roles so well, and he he's so brilliant. It sucks that he gets typecast into these kind of roles a lot, but there's a good reason because he can play them really, really well. Uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying seeing what Katie Cassidy has been doing with Black Siren so far this season as well. I think this is a much better role for her than Black Siren. Um, I, I do have to say too, on that note, I know we, I think we touched base on this a little bit as well. Um, but um, our thoughts and print, yeah. our thoughts and well wishes go out to Katie this week uh, as. Um, you know, her father, David Cassidy, has passed away. Uh, and she actually has come out and said that this is a big – the death of her father has, big, has been a very big eye-opener to her because uh, I'm not sure how many people know, but her father um, – she didn't know until later in her life that David was her father. And they didn't connect until later on in life. And even more recently, they haven't spoken in the past couple years. And she did – leave the the event early last week she did make it to his bed before he passed away uh so she did get to see him but before his his life ended but she has come out and said since then that this is a big eye opener and so much wasted time between the two of them that she doesn't want to waste another moment in her life again and unfortunately sometimes it takes events like that to to open your eyes to things like that but it's a good eye opener for everybody mm-hmm. And so our thoughts and well wishes go out to Katie and the rest of her family. And Absolutely. How she's feeling right now. Absolutely. So, uh, but no, I, I agree. I think she's been great on this season so far. And I, like I said, she's I think this Black Siren role is a much better role for her than than Black than uh, Black Canary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do really kind of hope that we do see uh, a redemption angle for her at some point in time, because I think she this version of the character, I think, just works very well. Uh, it adds some additional needed levity, and I love when that comes from a villain as well. Uh, I think Damien Dark is proof positive that sometimes that can be best. Um, and, you know, it's great to see a little bit of that kind of trickle into Arrow. So uh, so let's get into Mr. Diggle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my friends call me John. Yeah, Mr. Diggle. <laughs> Mr. Diggle. <laughs> Such a good line. Um, yeah. Actually, there was another line of the week this week that I, I loved. Well, it's Thanksgiving, so let's do the usual. It's like, I'll make a run to Big, big Belly Burger. It's like, I'm going to mash my fries to make them feel like mashed <laughs> to potatoes. To make mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good line. Uh, but yeah, dig a little bit all. Uh, do you want to dive into that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we see uh, we do see now that uh, Curtis has used the same tech that helped Felicity to walk, which we kind of forget about. Uh, oftentimes that Felicity is technically paralyzed 
Uh, and it is tech, it is technology that's helping her to walk and walk completely normal. And we see Curtis apply that now to Diggle to get rid of the shakes. And unfortunately, it has a little bit of a negative turn for Diggle in that it, um, it affects him a lot more. And it also causes something to, to come to light in that he revealed to the team who he was and or not who he was but what he's been going through and i have to correct myself by the way uh from last week thanks to ann for pointing this out i had mentioned last week that i I misunderstood the scene in that when he said that the shakes had been happening since black siren had come to town i took that as this happened before lee and you and it um it's not the case at all it's actually happened since black siren returned to town after lee and you so the shakes actually did come from everything that happened on the island. So thanks to Anne for uh, bringing that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, this brings about a turn of events that he has to admit what is going on and what he's been going through to the one person he's been hiding from. And that's Oliver. Mm-hmm. And Oliver is the one man that trusted him to be the green arrow. So this is, in essence, it's kind of a stab in the back. And it's very pointy put when oliver says i've been mad at you before but this is the first time i've ever been disappointed yeah that's huge for the relationship that the two of them have yeah but i do love the fact that they didn't stretch this out this was again smart good writing just you know ollie came to his senses and they talked about it like normal people do you know (laughs) not like not not like the winchesters uh sorry (laughs) (laughs) but hey that's why they're going into season like 12 or 13 or whatever they're at at this point um but Honestly, you know what? There, there was a moment in the second scene between the two of them that guaranteed the stats for me as far as this episode being a legend. Um, and it wasn't because they put Billy Joel in the episode. <laughs> so, Oh, my uh, God. How awesome was that, know, by the that way? That was great. He, they must have had him playing in, in Vancouver when they were filming. I'm like, oh, we got to totally do this. No, uh, I, th- I, th- I think that was footage of one of his concerts from Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay, okay. But because um, he's been he's been doing a residency at Madison Square Garden. Okay. So, but one of the things that was was excellent was something that we didn't see, uh, and that was going back to the crossover from last year. And they bring up the Dominators, and Diggle mentions what his perfect world was, and I love that the fact that they wrote this in there because we didn't know really what was going on with him too much through most of that crossover. He was there, but very much more so in the background of it all. Um, but the fact that he said his perfect world, he was the Green Arrow. And I thought that added so much to his character and said so much in such a quick statement. And I really love that. I love that they filled that moment in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it goes back to when they, uh, to the to last week's cross or last year's crossover, which I thought was a nice little tie-in going into this year's crossover. Um, but you're right. I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit of an insight into what Diggle feels and how Diggle feels in his mind is that he's been Spartan he's been he's been the second guy for a while but he's kind of living out his dream a little bit maybe not to the best of his ability but he he wants to be the green arrow so it's it's gonna be curious to me because especially by the end of it when when at the end of the episode when Oliver says you know I'm, I'm doing this for now but when you're ready I'm giving this back to you how is this going to play out? Well, one of the things that's kind of interesting, and actually just from this conversation, it, my brain just had this little, you know, uh, I'll actually, I'll, I'll make a nice statement here that will make you smile. I just had an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning um, has just struck my brain. Struck my brain. That must wow, hurt. that must hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. 
Um, because God, it's such a good movie. Uh, and I now feel the need to watch that. Um, it's Hook, by the way, uh, for but, anybody who doesn't know. Yes. Um, so go back to Legends, man. Legends Tomorrow, season one. Who was the Green Arrow in the future Star City? Diggle's son. John Diggle, John Diggle Jr. Yeah. Is it because he's picking up the mantle of his father? And that's a good question. And maybe they're filling, fulfilling this prophecy from a couple of years ago that we haven't thought about. So something interesting to think about. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely trying to connect the two of them together, um, mm-hmm. at the point. So uh, that, that's that's definitely true. I mean, it's we'll see. I mean, again, we've we've been mentioning this before. Like, obviously, Amel is the front runner of this show. He's the one that that plots the course and it goes through. But the title of the show is Arrow. That's not to say that at some point Amel could take a sidestep back. And be the mayor for a little while, and we could do a full season with somebody else donning the donning the cape. So it's very interesting to see where they could go yeah. with it. Yeah, and I guess the last big point for this week is Thea has woken up. So uh, we we now know that she is now officially out of her coma. It's a Thanksgiving is, miracle. It is. <laughs> uh, so now the question is um, when we're going to see her. Are we going to see her? kind of gear back up as speedy anytime soon. And you know so and it's so funny too because I've I hate saying this because I've met Willa a couple times and she was very nice when I met her, but she kind of has kind of disappeared from the spotlight a little bit lately. She's pulled out of the last two heroes and villains that she was supposed to be at. We haven't seen her on television for a while. So when we saw her at the beginning of this episode and we saw Oliver talking to her in a coma I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, I'm like, they are really milking the fact that Willa is not a part of the season at all. Um, I wonder how long this is going for and is she going to be written off for the whole season? And of course, the episode that I think that I think that she wakes up and now (laughs) Willa is uh, Thea is back in the mix. So it's you're right. It's going to be very interesting to see where they proceed with her now. I think it's going to be a while before we're seeing her with Team Arrow anytime soon. I still think they're going to kind of play her off a little bit. I don't think we're going to see her during the crossover at all. Maybe we'll see her again during the mid-season finale the following week. But I don't think her story is going to kick back in until the season returns. I actually also wouldn't be surprised to see maybe her leading the show this season and maybe see Roy come back for an episode. And maybe the two of them kind of get to head out into the sunset. Which I think so. haven't. It's already been confirmed that Colton is coming back, isn't it? Yeah, so that's my guess. The other guess I get too, it's just because we know there's the new Spartan suit. That probably new Spartan suit will help Diggle with his tremors. So something that they're going to design for him, yeah. too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that really kind of does it for Arrow this week. Yeah. Um, Looking forward. <laughs> Crossover. It's it's that time. So um, again, we've, we said this last year that we were going to try and watch it as a big movie. We're going to let them all air. Uh, probably not going to. Oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> now, upon my second viewing. Yeah, so. <laughs> probably not going to happen. So, uh, but... To everybody listening, we want to keep this as spoiler-free as possible on the Facebook page until we get to talk about it during the podcast the following week. So um, just a little bit of a heads up. Please, we know these episodes. We're confident these episodes are going to be amazing. Uh, Please try to refrain from any – and we'll post this on the Facebook page too. Um, Please try to refrain from any spoilers uh, as the episodes air Uh, as a courtesy to anybody who does, in fact, and has the willpower to wait until everything is aired to watch everything as one episode. Uh, We want to keep that courtesy open to everybody, including us, because I'm going to attempt it. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it, uh, but I'm going to attempt to wait to watch all of them back to back, uh, like possibly Wednesday night. Honestly, too, 
I, I really want to know from people on this one because this is something that like I do love getting messages from you guys. Send us a private message yeah. out on Thursday, starting Thursday. Um, that way we have an opportunity to go through two viewings of it. So tell us what your favorite moments are, who you are, you know, and just what you enjoyed from it because I love – Loving up you guys on the show. Anytime we can drop your names, because we do try to pay attention and get involved as much as we can when we can uh, with conversations. Like I know, like um, just a week, we we had that big back and forth um, with Anne and uh, Odessa and a couple other folks. I think where Paul was in there, where we were talking about like the Flash episode a few weeks back with the, fe- the hashtag feminism stuff, which was a great conversation. Um, and then, you know, even just joking around with Anne just the other week, kind of like, you know, my statement about, you know, we're going to be like angry at me for my comments <laughs> about Arrow and just us teasing. And she's like, no, 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 please come out to a show. And I would absolutely love to because I would love to meet you guys. Uh, absolutely love to meet you guys because I love meeting people that have the same passions and love these characters as much as we do. But bring up these conversations. Send us messages. I love talking to you guys. about this. Stuff. I think when Heroes and Villains comes back to Secaucus, comes back to New Jersey, we got to get you up there for that one. Since I that's... promise, I, you know, I will do everything in my power to when when we have that known in the dates, let me know. Um, oh, it's, sure it, it, it's the dates are already set. OK, well, make sure we'll everybody make it. sure you bug Ben and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get out there if I can. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I feel free, absolutely feel free to post on the Facebook page publicly how great the episodes were. Just don't post any spoilers about the episodes. Um, and if you could say episode two, that moment, holy crap, and just leave it at that, <laughs> that's fine. Too. Leave it as vague as possible, uh, and we'll be happy with it. But yeah, crossovers this week, it's finally, finally here, and all indications point that this is going to be amazing. Yeah. So, All right, let's uh, jump over to the news. It's really light this week, guys, so that makes this easy, and then we'll do recommendations to get the hell out of here. All right, so there is only a couple things. We actually touched upon a few things already. Uh, but like I said, as we mentioned before, the original um, ending spoiler sequences for Justice League were going to involve Kilowog and Tomar, right? As we discussed, which, uh, as we know, has not happened. Uh, but I love the fact that we know that, the, you know, the Lantern Corps is coming. So especially with that little tease we got in Justice League. Uh, but let's uh, talk about some other film stuff. And that is specifically a little bit about Batgirl. Now, bear in mind, guys, I, I, I'm going to gloss over this because some things here are just totally unknown. You know, obviously, with everything that's happening in Hollywood right now, there's now, unfortunately, maybe a potentially another name added to this. But there's not been a lot of major discussion about it yet. Um, and that's some involvement with Joss Whedon potentially being one of those names on that list. So it's a wait and see, guys. But again, nothing has really been out there. And there were some rumblings for a little while that uh, uh, Joss was going to be leaving the background project. Um, now, they did find out officially uh, Entertainment Weekly has now reached out to the source, confirmed that Whedon is still very much involved with the project. It is currently hard at work on the script. Uh, of course, it doesn't mean the situation can't or won't change at some point. Uh, you know, and But as of right now, Joss Whedon's background is still 100% a thing. We haven't heard anything about Warner Brothers kind of separating at all from him at, you know, at this time. Uh, you know, this, uh, this stuff came out late summer and having to do with his ex-wife as far as some statements she's made and some allegations, but nothing has been stated, proven, anything like that. So it's a wait and see. I'd really hate to see anything like that happen with him. But, um, you know, we can't comment on it until things are stated officially. So, But we still want to bring that up to you guys because it is kind of circulating a little bit right now through the DC rumor mills and uh, news cycle. So, 
All right. Um, you know, there was a little statement and nod from Gal Gadot as far as uh, the sequel of Wonder Woman and some of the values that it's going to touch. It, it is a very light thing, but if you guys get an opportunity, Sunday today, um, they did sit down and talk with her a little bit and said, you know, uh, there's so many journeys that can be experienced for this character. and She has so many beautiful values. And they said each chapter of these movies we're going to do for her is really going to explore a different value on its own. He's like, hey, this is going to be something that's kind of going to become basically the Wonder Woman Bible when the series is all wrapped up. So we definitely know this is definitely going to be very thematic as everything goes. And I think they did say, you know, kind of equality was the first first film. So the question is what they're going to focus on for the second with Patty Jenkins. So I do think this is a really cool way for them to continue the series. Though. Oh, I do, too. I agree. Um, as we mentioned as well, is, uh, you know, some things going on with the crossover. If you kind of zoned out earlier when we were talking, Red Tornado and Mattel are definitely a part of the villains that we will see the heroes face against. Uh, in addition to Overgirl, uh, the reverse flash i guess is the best way to put it still and uh you know prometheus x and the dark archer so uh very curious to see still on who is going to be prometheus x and who that character is going to be obviously know the dark archer is indeed ollie and i gotta say this too i love those face masks and those red lenses that they have on these costume designs i think they look fantastic and i am really really hoping that red tornado doesn't look as shitty as he did (laughs) season one of supergirl so uh aside from that um the like last real big things that we want to discuss is if you guys like uh which you can obviously not answer this i can read a little bit about something Stephen amell has said about this uh this crossover coming up as we gear up and he's like what i can tell you about this is here is the the order of the episodes as in supergirl arrow flash and legends that doesn't mean shit quote unquote uh amell told reporters during a recent visit to the set of arrow can't tell what episode is what episode. The first episode centers on everything coming together for Barry and Iris's wedding. So you're collecting everybody from all over the place, and then it's really effectively their story throughout the first hour, which would indicate that it's a Flash episode. Except it's not. I think it's kind of weird. I would wager to guess that most they have um, that I have the most screen time in all four episodes of the crossover. Um, and then Amel expands, saying that the scope and the scale of Crisis on Earth X dwarfs last year's Invasion crossover. So it's not to get too inside baseball here, but they've made it bigger than ever. Uh, Amel said, when we conceived uh, the, of the crossovers back in season three of Arrow and season one of The Flash, it was like, OK, I'm going to go. I'm going to go shoot on The Flash for four days. Fine. This crossover this year took up to six full weeks of shooting. I think that in order for us to continue down this path, we as productions and the CW as the network and Warner Brothers at the studio are all going to fundamentally reconceive how we execute these because this sort of broke the schedule mold. I mean, it simply just didn't fit. It was like it was 14 hour days every day and it was very, very intense for all of us. Um, you know, again, I apologize, guys. I know this is a bit of a long story, but we'll wrap this up here with his final statements. As Mel explained that filming this crossover should be treated as a big four hour movie in order to fit the schedule for everyone. I think that if we're going to shoot it like a big four-hour movie, we have to board it like a big four-hour movie. We have to prioritize schedules of the people that are going to be working the most. If that's me, if that's Melissa, if that's Katie, if it's the grant. It's going to change year over year based off of story. Payoff is that I've seen one one cut, one episode, and it was just like a a four-hour escape. There are some uh, through-line storylines like Oliver and Felicity's relationship and Barry and Iris's relationship and what's going on with Sarah, what's going on with Victor and, you know, with uh, Jax. And uh, it, it really is for the first time. It's an event. It's not a crossover anymore. 
call it a crossover for people, but it's kind of like calling the Super Bowl just a football game. Yeah, sure, they play football, but there's so much other stuff that goes on with this. This is absolutely an event. So, and that uh, makes so, me well, that makes me even more excited to see it. Uh, in all honesty, yeah. the fact that it's it considered an event rather than a crossover. Um, and if you look at the promos for it, it actually is being called a two night event rather than a four part crossover. Uh, right. And one of the things too, and I really like that they said it was last year the three episodes we got. Uh, the Flash episode was definitely a Flash episode. The Arrow episode was the 100th episode of Arrow, and it was a very Arrow-centric episode. And the Legends one felt like a Legends episode. I really like the fact that they're changing that mold and saying, boop, boom, it is a movie, and just take it in. Yeah, so. I mean, if you look at the cast of the, of Supergirl for uh, for this week, I mean, it's not just Melissa and Mikad and, and the others. I mean, it lists Stephen Amell, you know, Emily Bett. It, it, it lists uh, Grant Gustin. It's... It's a full cast of everybody. So, I mean, yeah. it's the the wedding of Barry and Iris is going to start on Supergirl. And it's it, it can't get any it's, – it's not going to be any better than that. And from everything I got from everybody I talked to at Heroes and Villains, you know, you know, from Stephen to David to Emily to everybody who was involved in this crossover, everybody is, big, is in complete agreement that the highlights of this crossover, even though it's the wedding of Barry and Iris – uh, you know, of Grant Gustin and Candace Patton, um, their main focus, they, across the board, highlight says that it is Stephen and Melissa who are without a doubt the standouts of this of this event. Yeah. Uh, and the last news story for this week is uh, something kind of, well, actually, there's two. One's more just a mention, though. Uh, but the uh, Warner Brothers Montreal uh, just put a post up on their Facebook page, and these guys are the ones that were responsible for the game, um, Arkham, I think it was Arkham Origins. Uh, but they've done some other things as well. They've done some work on Arkham City and Arkham Knight as far as doing ports, some DLC. So they definitely know, you know, the DC space. But this is officially what they posted just the other day. It said Warner Brothers Games Montreal is looking for a technical director to lead our team of programmers. Do you want to join a passionate team working on expanding the DC universe in the interactive space? Please contact our recruiter. And then they have the contact information below. So if you are a programmer and love DC and you're looking for a job in Montreal, there you go. So, <laughs> uh, But that's exciting to know that, yes, they are indeed expanding stuff. I would not be surprised if we see Rocksteady themselves come out at PSX because there's a lot of rumblings for quite some time that they've been working on a big project. But it sounds like. Not just them, but WB Montreal as well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the last thing we have to touch upon is something we've kind of let slide and fall behind the cracks. Uh, but episode two and three are out in, of season two for Batman the yeah. Enemy Within. <laughs> I, I, I know I have not played either two or three. And me I know neither. that's something we need to catch up on, guys. So I do apologize. But if you are following that, uh, episode three just came out this past Tuesday. Uh, so, um, yeah, we, we definitely got to get on that. And, uh, also this past week, Hellboy is now out there in the mix for, um, Injustice. So if I haven't picked him up yet, he was out last week as well. So, yeah, and, I, uh, I, I, I noticed them this weekend too, that I was missing parts two and three. So, yeah, the things have been beat, but, uh, I think that's going to try to be my goal in the next week or two is to play catch up all night. Cause that should only be probably about three or four hours. Oh so. dude, I can't wait until I, I mean, I can't wait until I have my surgery, not because I want the surgery, but because it is an opportunity to take two or three days and do absolutely nothing but veg out, stay off my feet and watch TV and play video games. 
Yeah, and uh, actually, no, speaking of injustice, uh, PlayStation right now has got an amazing Black Friday sale that's still continuing on for the next couple days, guys. So if you want to get some awesome games cheap, uh, I can tell you this now. I believe Injustice 2 is in there for 20 bucks. So uh, pretty, pretty killer deal. That doesn't include the season pass, but the base game for $20 is a steal. Um, so make sure you check that out. I'm not sure if uh, it's also happening on Xbox right now, but I it can is. confirm. Uh, I can confirm that price for PSN if you are a PlayStation Plus member. Nope, it is. I can confirm it because I've been searching the Black Friday deals on Xbox all weekend as well. Uh, And they are all going through till the end of Cyber Monday. And Mm -hmm. uh, they do have a deal on uh, all three versions of Justice League, actually. There's the the basic, the, um, the ultimate, and there's one in between. Too. Yeah, they're they're doing the same thing on PSN, but if you're just looking for the base, it's twenty bucks. I think the other one's like thirty. Yeah. I think the other one's thirty, maybe thirty five for the season pass version. So yeah, not too something bad. like that. So, yeah. So uh, yep. So yeah, it is also on Xbox as well. Cool. Uh, and um, uh, <laughs> recommendations. Sorry. Yep. No, no, it's fine. Um, uh, your recommendation is one I'm going to watch as well. So I'm going to do mine first, real quick. Um, but um, if you have not seen Justice League, shock, big shock. I'm actually recommending you go see a DCEU movie. I recommend if you have not seen Justice League yet, go and see it. It was – it's not a perfect movie. Uh, I didn't absolutely love it. It didn't blow me away. But I really, really, really highly enjoyed it, especially comparing to the other DCEU movies. Um, exception of Wonder Woman, which which did blow me away and I absolutely loved. Uh, rankings of those movies, Justice League is second uh, right behind Wonder Woman. So it's – I do highly recommend it. I highly enjoyed it. Go see Justice League if you have not. Uh, my other recommendation, real quick, is one that I just did myself yesterday. I made the transition from Google Play to Amazon Music, uh, which uh, I've been paying for since I pay for Amazon. I'm now, and I have an Alexa, I have an Echo, and I have an Echo Dot. Why have I not been using Amazon Music since it's free with Amazon Prime? Um, but in Doing so in transitioning my library from Google Play to Amazon Music, I have been adding all of the soundtracks uh, to all of the DC sh- uh, DC television shows, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, all done by Blake Neely, who is an amazing composer, uh, and the soundtracks, the scores are amazing. So if you haven't listened to them yet, if you're on Google Play, if you're on Amazon Music, they are free. Uh, add them to your playlist and give them a listen. And as for me, mine is very much not DC-related at all, but nope. man... Uh, if you have Netflix, and I'm sure most of you do, uh, I highly recommend it. There's a phenomenal documentary that I just found called Jim and Andy the Grand featuring a very special contractual obligated mention of Tony Clifton. <laughs> I love that it's contractually obligated. Um, and if you aren't familiar with what any of that stuff is, this is a documentary uh, starring Jim Carrey. And this actually was something quite interesting is when he shot the film Man on the Moon, which is an exceptional movie if you love Andy Kaufman, because he was such an interesting, unique, you know, comedian and is just kind of broke what we view people can do. Um, well, this is basically Jim Carrey had a film crew actually following him the entire time. And this has been sitting in his own personal vault for 18 years of all the footage because he went full method on this and stayed as Andy Kaufman the entire time and uh, things got very out of hand like insanely and um, in addition to him also playing Tony Clifton and he stayed both of those characters and played them exactly how they used to be and you watch the film crew go through a nightmare watching this but in interspersed you're seeing Jim reflecting on this 
And uh, you see a very, very broken man and as he's discussing this. But you also just kind of see how ingenious he is. And uh, it was an amazing, amazing film. I mean, there's moments that are kind of appalling of some of the things he did. And uh, there's no way anything like this would ever fly today. Um, it's amazing on how, how much 20 years can change. But uh, this is truly just a remarkable documentary. And I highly recommend um, anybody that kind of wants to see what it's like for a method actor behind the scenes and what they do to themselves. Uh, this is uh, this is quite an amazing story. So highly recommend checking it out. Yep. And I, that's one I probably plan on watching uh, as I'm editing this podcast. I will probably mm-hmm. be watching that. So. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear your viewpoints. So shoot me a text when you're uh, when you finish it up because uh, oh, I will. I, I think you're gonna love it. So. I will for sure. But yeah, good recommendation. Even though it's not in the world of DC, we we and you know us by now. If you're a listener, we we always we we're happy to recommend stuff outside of outside of the universe of DC. So uh, that's a good example. But um, recommendations are already done. Uh, cheap plugs, and then we will get out. We. Um, you can check out my other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, or facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. If you, uh, you can check out the DC Primetime Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, and we recommend that you subscribe, if you don't already, to us on either iTunes or Google Play, simply by searching for the podcast DC Primetime. And while you are there, please, if you don't mind, happily give us a review uh, at the same time. Uh, as for me, you can find me through the Caffeine Crew, and as I mentioned before, we are on a bit of a delay. That is only because of how insane uh, since October has been to now. Uh, today or yesterday was the end of of the chaos, but um, that made it very difficult to try to schedule anything. And uh, with surgery coming up, it's going to be tricky to find a way to get the next episode in. We will be doing something, uh, but I think there is definitely a gap between. Uh, basically, there's going to be one month that's missing, which is pretty much the November month. Um, as you got the Halloween episode last, but I think the next one was originally going to be all about villains, but I think we're going to bump that to January and uh, probably early December before um, I have to go through surgery. I think we're going to do a Star Wars episode. So, uh, and then what we might do is a little, a little um, kind of tackle into the end of that after Last Jedi. So there we go. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh... Oh, uh, twenty! Well, no, nineteen days now. Nineteen days yeah, till Last man. Jedi. So, and my surgery is the day after. So, thank God. <laughs> Purposely pointed that way. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, also a very big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw, uh, and he can be found over at georgeshawmusic.com. Uh, you know the music that he provides us with the show. You can hear the beginning and the end, and he's got tons of other great stuff out there. So make sure you check out his page and his SoundCloud. There you go. Uh, cool. So as always, we thank you guys for being a part of this community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for posting on the on the Facebook page and interacting with with us as we go. Uh, guys, crossover. I can't say that enough. I can't freaking wait. I know we're excited. Uh, we hope you guys are just as excited. We can't wait to talk about it next week. Please refrain from spoilers. But until next week, until after the crossover, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.